Safety, dependability, and power. Chevy Silverado isn't happy unless the work is hard and the day is long. No wonder Silverado is America's number one best-selling retail pickup truck. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and put a Silverado in your toolbox. Welcome to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast via WGN Radio. I'm Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host for Blackhawks Hockey on AM720. And on this edition, we appreciate uh, time from Blackhawks Senior Vice President and General Manager Stan Bowman, who's been uh, making the rounds a lot over the last couple of days. Stan, thanks for uh, for including us on your uh, on your world tour here, so to speak. Uh, we hope to, to share and expand on some things that you've touched on elsewhere already and uh, try to discuss perhaps some uh, other angles that haven't provided your voices holding up. Or have you resorted to uh, lozenges and, and warm liquids yet? I do. I've got, I'm a tea drinker, so I got my tea in front of me here, and I'm, I'm ready to roll. Very good. Well, uh, as most Hawks fans are well aware of by now, the organization issued a, a public letter to them on Tuesday afternoon, um, kind of clarifying the plans moving forward, primarily and, and preferably building this roster with youth as the best path determined to hopefully uh, make this team a lead again. And, and before we dive into the way, Stan, it, it's going to do that, why the shift now towards uh, transparency, kind of similar, similar to something that the Rangers did a couple of years ago, and and how much did that philosophy evolve since uh, Danny Wirtz took a, a greater role in the organization? Well, I think you're right. It, it's uh, it's time. I think in where we're at today in the world, uh, I think it's something that is probably appreciated by people more if you're if you're more forthright with them and that's something that we can improve upon uh it is something i had some discussions with uh danny he came with our team into the bubble in edmonton for our playoff run and uh i had a chance to spend more time with danny than i had previously i I certainly knew him over the years um on you know a, a cursory level but we spent you know every day together multiple hours per day breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And certainly in those conversations, you talk about a lot of different things. And as he was trying to learn more about where we were and what was happening, he would ask a lot of questions. And, you know, it was myself, Al McIsaac, and even the coaching staff. We would we would talk about our team, talk about where we were. And in those conversations, Danny's reaction was like, this is really great. This is good information. Like, well, how, how come, like a lot of the stuff I didn't know, like, I think this would be stuff that would be really helpful for our fans. They would love to hear this stuff. So that started it. It, it was really those conversations led to uh, when we got back from from the playoffs ending, um, we had a lot of internal discussions. And one of the things that we thought could make things better for everybody uh, was to pull the curtain back a little bit and explain more what we're doing, why we're doing it. Uh, have some more background, context, perspective. Uh, so that's really what was the main impetus behind the letter going out. And I think for those fans out there who have kind of clamored for years for, for the the franchise to describe, you know, its state or its plans, they want a word uh, to to connect with the the direction and everything. I think just observing would give them kind of an idea what the Hawks were trying to do 
over the last few years without coming out and, and saying it. And and you mentioned kind of the seeds of this were, were planted during the resumption of play in Edmonton. D- did the results in August matter now towards this bigger picture approach? Or uh, did uh, this decision to turn more towards youth as a way of building things back up take a greater shape once the, the team's season was officially over? Well, the, the approach to our team, that hasn't really changed much. Uh, so I think that the big change has been more the communication and the openness to explain where we're headed. Uh, you know, this is something that we've been embarking upon, even going back a year or two. You know, we've got people don't look at him necessarily as a young player, but Alex DeBrinkett is he's 21 years old. Uh, so he's, he's a young guy. And if you look at our reliance upon him, he's played a pretty big role for a couple of years on our team. And, you know, for that reason, looking at his, uh, his growth as a player that's happened in the last two years. But uh, so really relying on young players more recently than to it was Kirby doc and Adam Boquist. So we've been doing that and we've been giving young players opportunities. We're going to continue on that path. Uh, probably give some more young players a chance as well. Um, but this is never meant to be just a group of young players. I think that's one thing I wanted to try to clarify. Hopefully I've been able to, to do that recently, which is I don't envision our team being just a group of 22 and under players. I mean, you need, you need a mixture of everything to have a successful team. I think on balance, we're going to skew on the younger side. Uh, but we, there's still a role for players that are, uh, are veteran players. And, uh, you know, it takes a mixture, not just only young players. And I'm sure there's a certain belief among uh, some out there that uh, this pronouncement equates to a step back um, from a business standpoint, you know, wh- whether that is right or wrong. And, and I think you're trying to put the message out there that that's not necessarily the case. But from a business aspect, is the uncertainty about uh, this coming season's length and knowing if there are any fans allowed to watch in person at some point, uh, if that is the case, I'm sure it would be limited instead of 2021, 20, 22,000 in the building at a time. From a business standpoint, did that perhaps play into the timing at all in this organizational direction? No, because like I said, the direction, we were headed down this road anyway. I think the biggest change is really just being more open about where we're going. Uh, like this this started last year. We saw the fact that we kept Kirby up all year, even though early in the year, you know, he wasn't necessarily a big contributor to the team. But it was it was an investment in Kirby, and I think we saw his performance in the summer. You know, we got a lot of payoff for that investment because he really took steps, and um, so I think that's more the the reason that we're doing this. Um, and <clears throat> our goal is to build this back up. Like I said uh, previously, we were at the top for a long time, um, and we've we've dropped down from where we were as being one of the top teams. We're not in that category right now. And I think we have to, you know, recognize where we are. But at the same time, I think we're starting our climb back up the mountain to reach the top. And you know, we've still got ways to go and we've got steps that we we need to take. But I think we are headed in that direction and we're gonna continue um by giving younger players opportunities and relying on them to help support our veteran players 
On the subject of transparency, um, Jonathan Taves, heat of the moment, uh, gave us the impression that that he and his uh, fellow three-time Stanley Cup winners uh, weren't informed of intentions to to part ways with a couple of guys over the span of three days who who went through a couple of those cup runs with them. Did they deserve to be made aware ahead of time? And, and how do you feel in retrospect to that matter and their opinion? Well, we have since I've talked to that group uh, over the last few days here, uh, you know, before we went public with this letter and we, we shared it with them. But before anyone, I think we wanted to make sure that they were the first to you know see it from our team. Uh, so we did. We had a good conversation with them. We tried to explain that the path we're heading on is the continuation of a path which we've been on. I think the the clarification was just that we're going to be more open with our fans about it. These are things that we've talked to our players individually about before is the need to, to give some of young players an opportunity, which they might not be ready for right away. And I think that's the, uh, <clears throat> that that's the conversation that we had with them. I think it was different when, when those players came up, it was the, the hockey world was a little bit different. And um, I think in general, you know, back in 2005, six, seven, when those guys entered the league, uh, this is not the way things went. Uh, There was not a a heavy emphasis on young players. It was actually pretty unusual for a player like Patrick Kane to come right to the NHL uh, after being drafted. Even Jonathan went back to college for another year as a high draft pick. Uh, We don't see that anymore. We see these young players, they go right in. And I think, you know, it it takes some perspective and explanation to those guys because they're they're thinking back to when they were 18 and 19. And, you know, Duncan Keith in particular, he spent two full seasons in the minors. And, you know, I think that's something that – we had to explain, I had to explain to them that times are different now. And I can understand why they maybe were confused at first with young players getting these opportunities. But as the the game has changed and the world has changed, we've had to react to that and we need more depth. And the way to do that is by developing these players. So after I explained it all, I got the impression from them that now it made more sense and it was a continuation of where we were headed anyways. Um, it was really just more of a verbalization to the fans as opposed to some totally new direction. And and as they kind of absorb perhaps needing a bit more patience as they grow older, uh, did that conversation then leave you with the impression that, that Jonathan and Patrick and Duncan and, and Brent are all on board? Because I'm sure you agree to the importance of this. Their voices, their body language, and their mindset – uh, plays a huge role for everyone else in that room. They, uh, yeah, it certainly does. And we talked about that. I think that's something that uh, they even need uh, to a reminder of, of how um, important they are to this and how they, they carry such weight. Like these young players that come into the locker room, they're in, in their minds, well, I'm just a normal guy. I'm just Jonathan Taves. But in, in these players' minds, you're, you know, you, they're revered for their performances and for everything they've achieved. And I think that's something that, uh, you know, we have to remind them, like you forget when you came into the league, we, we didn't have a, a locker room full of uh, veteran players that all had three Stanley cups. So, um, but even back then, you know, you revered those veteran players and 
uh, you know, they, they look up to those guys. So I think they, they understand that for sure. And they understand that they play an important role as we move forward. In retrospect, do you wish you would have handled it a little bit differently? Did they, did they deserve to know something or get a heads up ahead of time? Uh, well, we, we talked that through. I yeah. think we're in a good place right now with it. So, um, you know, that, that's probably a, a question better asked to them, like how they feel now. But when, when we spoke the other day, I got the impression that uh, we were all on the same page. And I think that's important as we go forward. Good. Uh, regarding the decision now to, to part ways with Corey, was an initial offer made under the assumption, at least for all of us out here, that that keeping Corey at this quote unquote this price was palatable and, and preferable to uh, the go young in that narrative? And if not accepted, you would then go that alternative route. Yes, we did talk to Corey. We did make him an offer. The the thing was not so much a money. Uh, I guess the money was part of it, but it was really more the term. You know, Corey was not looking for a one-year deal. And for where we were, we wanted some flexibility. I think that's important. That's something that we, you know, if you look at the other deals that we made, having flexibility to be able to pivot in a couple different directions a year from now, um, depending on how this season goes, I think that's something we haven't had a lot of recently, which is uh, financial and and salary cap flexibility with contracts expiring so that's why it didn't really go any further it was more so the he was looking for more than just one year and we were looking to just have the one year and were you open to to more negotiating because uh, Corey's contention was that he was expecting more of that or or did the final decision really to go with youth come as late as uh that draft slash free agency week the negotiating i think we never got much past the dollar amount when the term was, wasn't interested in a one-year deal. So uh, that was something that was important to us to maintain that flexibility as we get into the coming years. And, you know, we have these three young goalies that, that haven't been given an opportunity. And I think, you know, certainly if Corey was back, they would be, one of them would be in the mix, but they would be uh, not really given a, a full chance to show they could be a number one guy. Now it really is an open competition because there is no incumbent goaltender. Um, these three guys have shown the ability. At they've all been you know all stars at the American League level, uh, and they haven't either had the opportunity or they haven't um, really been given a lot of chance to be a number one goalie in the NHL. So we want to see which of these guys, you know, hopefully multiple, will step forward and show that they're ready. And I'm sure you guys weighed the value of. of- having a veteran like Corey around, you know, he had Marty Turco back in the day, a couple of other guys, uh, keeping him around at least for this coming year to help bring one or two guys along. But uh, you came to the conclusion, it's simply time to see now what these less experienced guys can do in the uh, so-called fire at the, at the highest level of the sport. Yeah. There, there's always that moment when a goalie has to, you know, get their opportunity and try to sink or swim. And, uh, the, I don't know if there's a perfect scenario that it, a lot of times these things unfold out of necessity in the midst of a season. The goalie gets injured, two goalies get injured. You have no choice but to go to a younger guy, and then that is sort of the starting point. Um, so that that's one way to do it, and you know, this, this is another way. So I think sometimes things just happen by happenstance, and a goalie gets brought up uh, out of anonymity and is thrown the opportunity because there's nobody else there. And this is a little bit of a different situation, but 
at the same time, um, the end result is the same as a guy getting his chance to prove he's an NHL goalie. Hey, if Scott Foster can do it, uh, I guess, uh, I guess, I guess anybody. <laughs> so, so how important will better defensive execution and structure and discipline and, and communication be if your current options in net are, are to gain that confidence and success? Because you know, this has been a vulnerability even before Jeremy took over a, a couple of years ago and Corey, and Robin Leonard, they were tied for fourth in the league save percentage and still couldn't help the team qualify for what would have been a 16-team playoff at the time. Uh, how important is it going to be able to finally find answers and, and clean things up in front of these guys? Well, there's no question we have to be better as uh, w- with our team defense. And when I say that, I think it's not always on just the six defensemen or just on the goaltender when you allow a goal. Uh, there's a lot of things that uh, go into it. And that, that's part of the impetus behind some of the other moves we made. We brought in uh, Matthias Janmark and we also brought in Lucas Walmark that, you know, have a pretty good uh, responsible two-way aspect to their game. I think they're going to, uh, you know, still complement offensive players, but bring a little bit more stability. And I think that's one of the things our forward group has to do a better job of is uh, not put the rest of the group in such a vulnerable position so often. Uh, you know, in their desire to make things happen and to help the team by scoring, uh, I think sometimes we skew a little bit too much to that. We take some, uh, you know, high danger chances, which, you know, in retrospect have a low percentage of working, but they put you in a tough spot. And then you're defending odd man chances and you're giving up uh, opportunities, which really weren't on the goal on the defenseman or the goalie uh so i think our our team defense has to be better uh, but we also have uh, nikita zadorov coming in who i think is going to play an important role you know he brings a different element to our team uh defensively with his physicality uh he's a difficult player to play against and i think he's going to be a nice compliment for our young defenseman whether it's boquist or ian mitchell uh to give them a chance to you know, get their feet wet at the NHL level, but gain their confidence. You know, they're not going to be uh, getting run into the boards nearly as often, I think, with Nikita there. Uh, so that's important, and it's something that I think can help accelerate our team progression as if those young defensemen take a step forward. Yeah, and I want to get to those three new guys in just a moment, but, but first I want to touch on how you got Nikita and talk about the Brandon Saad decision. Was it an active pursuit as one of the higher paid assets uh, entering the final year of his contract? And and what was the level of interest around the league tied into, you know, what you got in return to address anyone who assumes that, you know, a better return elsewhere could have been had, but you just quote unquote settled for the one from Colorado. Yeah, that's not the way. It, I mean, that, that's something we can clear up. That's not the way it played out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I understand that might be the perception, but uh, I, I can say with extreme confidence, this was by far the best, deal that we had for Brandon. And, uh, you know, there's questions on why didn't we just keep him longer and trade him later? That That's an option. We sort of, certainly could have done that. There's risks associated with that. Uh, number one, uh, injuries is probably the most prominent one. Um, you, you may have a player and you expect you're going to get this big return at the trade deadline. Player gets injured, you don't get any return. And then at that point, you're looking and wondering, well, why did we play it that way? Uh, the other The other risk you run when you when you trade a player at the deadline is you're, you're typically only trading that player to a, a team 
that is going for the cup. Uh, and those, those teams usually, even if you do get a draft choice in return, it, it's going to be a later draft choice. Those teams that are acquiring someone like Brandon Saad are typically the player teams at the top trying to supplement their group. Uh, you know, so there's, there's nothing wrong with draft choices. I mean, we, we would certainly be open to doing that in future trades. And I think that's a part of improving your team in, uh, in future assets. Uh, but it's not the only way to do it. And when you're getting a, a defenseman in Nikita that <clears throat> he's 25 years old and, uh, I think his best years are ahead of him. You know, as a defenseman, they, they tend to, their prime years are between 25 and 30. Uh, so I think he's really just, uh, he's got a lot of hockey left in in front of him. Uh, so, you know, Brandon was a, a very effective player for us. I think looking forward to where we're going and with his contract expiring at the end of this season, uh, he was an unrestricted free agent uh, in the next off season. So, you know, we would have to be prepared to, uh, you know, invest you know a fair amount of money in him. And I think with where we're going and some of the other players we have signed already, we, we probably, we have Boquist and Kirby Doc coming up for new contracts two years from now. Um, but, you know, players like Brandon Saad, they, they, they don't sign one-year contracts typically. Uh, you know, I guess it happened one time, uh, Taylor Hall. Other than that, in the last five years, everybody who's been a UFA at a young age signs a multi-year deal. So we, we're not going to be bringing Brandon back um, just because of the direction we're going. Uh, so that's why we started looking around at our trade options and talked to a number of teams. You know, with the, the environment that we're in right now, um, the flat cap has really changed things for everybody. And, you know, it, it's it's not as easy to fit in the $6 million price tag. You know, there's, there's a handful of teams that can do it, but uh, there's not that many. So when we did that, had our conversations, um, and we realized that Nikita was a player that we could possibly acquire in this trade. That was very appealing to us. We think he's going to have a, a big impact on the progression of our young defensemen, and I think that's something that is going to help our team, not just with what Nikita brings to the table, but also with the impact he can have on Boquist and Mitchell. And, and with Zadorov coming in that deal and then proceeding to sign uh, Yenmark, Walmark, what also is the importance of the flexibility of that trio uh, being signed only for the coming season uh, as you move forward here? And how, how do you view this roster now, uh, top to bottom, versus the one you came home from Edmonton with? Well, you're right. I think that was, I mentioned that earlier. Having that flexibility is we, we want to be a, uh, somewhat nimble as we're in this stage where we're trying to get ourselves back to being an elite team. Uh, you know, we're, we need more players, we need more depth. Uh, and we can do that a number of, of ways. One of them is to have some some cap flexibility so that you can take advantage of another team who you know has no room and they've got players that they need to resign, which is going to push out one of their roster players. So we could be in a position you know next off season where we could pivot and you know, bring in a ready made player who's in his you know in the prime of his career. We're, we're not ruling that option out. Um, I think this approach gives us that flexibility. So how much of uh, the so-called lifting is done here? Do, uh, do you anticipate more moves? And if, if, if there are moves made, I would uh, guess that they'd be more likely via the trade market than, than through free agency. Um, uh, depending on how you view 
as well. Competition uh, versus log jams and math in in the makeup of your roster. Um, you know, if the opportunity arises to acquiring uh, some more young, cheap assets with some upside. Yeah, I think you're right. As far as free agents go, I, I don't anticipate us adding more that way. If we were going to change our roster, it would probably be through a trade. Uh, but even that right now, uh, now, I've had some very basic conversations over the past couple of weeks, but uh, nothing is really even uh, moving down a path. So that can change, and that's something we'll continue to monitor. But I think you know, the group that we have right now is likely to be the group that we start with. And, um, you know, but as we go, even during the season, there may be opportunities to make trades. And I think any trades we do make are going to be with that same mindset in place, uh, which is uh, making sure that we, we have young players coming in. So if the trade involves a player, we're we're looking to get a a similar age player in, in return or younger. That's kind of the mindset. So as as you proceed forward with with the the plan to try and build through younger players uh, along with some of your core guys, as you look at this method, you know your most immediate competition in order to you know climb back up that hill or that mountain is is obviously within the division of the conference. And when you look around, Colorado has really been a template for for stocking great cheap talent. Uh, Dallas has a handful of emerging young guys after they make the Cup final. Minnesota is well underway in kind of reconstructing what they're doing and their plan moving forward. How do you assess the organization currently with with the quality of prospects that you have in the system? Uh, You know, be it those you expect to be on the roster next year, or or how many have legitimate upsides in Rockford and elsewhere. Knowing you have Kirby Doc, he is a remarkable, exciting player, but his jump is is the exception more than the rule. How do you feel about uh, your prospect pool right now? Yeah, I think Kirby's uh, progression was was pretty rapid from going, you know, where he started in the season in October, November to where he ended the season. He he covered a lot of ground in a short amount of time. I think with a lot of these other prospects, it's probably going to take a little bit longer uh, time frame for them to get up to that level, and they may never reach you know the the heights that Kirby is, but they can still be valuable pieces for us. So uh, I think we have. Uh, you know, some good young players that are ready to take that next step. I and mean, some of them are here already. You know, we, we've talked about Kirby and Adam Boquist. Ian Mitchell is a player that we have high hopes for. Um, you know, and in, in the coming years, I think that's something that we're going to continue to try to build up, whether it's through draft, through trade, or through free agency. So I don't know if your job is ever done. I don't think you ever sit back and say, wow, we've got a great prospect pool, so we're just going to sit back. We're we're always looking. You know, we, we brought in uh, a player from Europe this uh, off season here, and named Puce Suter, who's you know he's still young. He's twenty four years old, but uh, you know that was a free agent addition. We think he's going to be uh, a candidate to help our team next year as well. So you know, we signed some other free agents, uh, you know, out of college and and those types of things. So drafting is important. Free agents are important, and trades. So uh, I think. You can't rely on one more than the other. We've got to be successful in all of those. Um, acquiring them is the first step, and then developing them is the next step. So, uh, you know, it's it's part of the process that we're going through. As we're trying to build up more depth, um, we need players to take that next step, and we have a number of candidates over the next year, and we're going to try to supplement that even more as we go forward. 
As Jeremy uh, enters the final year of his contract, uh, the results and the consistency in in on-ice performance with him behind the bench has, has been elusive to this point. What degree of confidence do you have that, that uh, Jeremy is the right coach with this transparent plan moving forward, and, and how much does he still have to prove? I think Jeremy's best attribute is his uh, ability to work with young players, and that, that he really is a great communicator. Um, I think in a, in a lot of ways that's what we need right now is when we're going to have more and more young players in our lineup, we need someone like Jeremy who can um, connect with those guys, give them the feedback they need, um, you know, push them the right way. Sometimes you got to push, sometimes you got to pull back. Sometimes you got to set them aside. Uh, you know, I think that's something that we're trying to be more open about with our fans, which is, you know, the development for young players, it's not always a straight line and there's going to be times when, uh, players need to come out of the lineup or need to go to Rockford for further development. And that's okay. That's part of this process. And I think the more that we can accept that that's what has to happen sometimes, um, we'll have a better path to developing them. Because sometimes things can get in the way if there's um, you know this fear that a player coming out of the lineup means the player's a failure or it's been a terrible decision to have this player give, be given an opportunity. Uh, I think that can get in the way. So we've got to get past that. Uh, you know, the, this is a, it's, it's not an easy thing to do, but it is a necessary thing to do as far as the, the development of the players. And I think Jeremy's got a really good handle on that. That's what I think his strength would be as a coach is communicating and bringing those players along. And, you know, you, you look at what, we're able to do with even Kubalik and Kirby Doc. Both those players had times last year where they didn't play very much, and you know there was there was feedback. I mean, Kubalik came out of the lineup, Kirby came out of the lineup, uh, not all the time, but occasionally they would, and it, it was something that you know it, it caused a big stir at the time, but unnecessarily so. And I think that's something you, you look at the end result. I think you know you see that. Dominic had an excellent end of the season in playoff for us, and he's an important player moving forward. He's still young. He's 25 years old, and you know he's only had one year of NHL experience. So uh, I think there's, there's a lot of examples of where Jeremy's had a really positive impact on the young players. Well, Stan, thanks. I think it's important for fans to hear from you and others. And uh, as this happens more, you're going to have to keep those lozenges and, and, <laughs> and hot tea handy. But, uh, you know, whether they agree or disagree, I think it's important for the message and, and the mindset and the thinking to get out there. Uh, is there a final kind of message to uh, this very passionate fan base uh, who might be feeling some uneasiness or doubt about what the franchise is embarking on? And, you know, as you answer that, also, what, what's your degree of uneasiness or excitement on this challenge, you know, or even the pressure of it, of your department realizing its goals as quickly as possible? Well, I, yeah, I think the message to the fans would be that we, we have the same end goal as you do. We want this team to win again. We want to climb back up that mountain. And we recognize we're not there. And I think there can be some excitement in the process as we talk about it and we look at there, there's things that are going really well here and things to get excited about. And I think when, it's pretty fun for myself and I think for our fans too, to see a young player like Kirby take those steps forward. So we're going to have more opportunities for young players to, to do the same. And 
it'd be great to see them take those uh, movement in a positive direction. And uh, hopefully they can do it as rapidly as Kirby did. Uh, but I think, you know, just thinking of what's ahead for a young player like Kirby, you know, I think he's just scratching the surface. So there's going to be uh, a lot of things to get behind and to be excited about. And I think that's, you know, the journey to the top of the mountain, it's, it is a journey and it's going to be a fun ride together. So uh, I think there, there's reason for hope and optimism. Stan, again, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. I look forward to doing more of this and uh, can't wait to see what's coming up next. All right. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, before we wrap up here, a, a quick word about uh, the voice of the NHL, Doc Engmerich, who announced that uh, he is retiring at the age of 74 after almost five decades in the business. Uh, as fortunate as we are to have John Wideman here calling Blackhawks games, uh, I think it's safe to say hockey fans and the league has really been blessed all these years by getting the national call from from Doc, who was the television voice really of so many huge Blackhawks playoff and Stanley Cup games over the past decade. Wildly popular man, although I actually know someone who isn't a fan of his call, so to each his own. But here's one thing that everyone, if you ever met Doc, uh, can agree upon and is undeniable. He is the nicest man. A memory like a trap, especially as someone, when you think about, uh, I can't remember what I had for dinner last night, but for him to know not just only players' names, but each team's support staff, remembering who people are, remembering the names of media in every town. And really, there was never a moment where he was too busy to stop and chat. I guess I'll correct myself. If there was a moment where he was too busy, he made certain to follow up and then get back to you for whatever you needed from him or just to stop and talk. You know, And, and this sport is filled with so many quality people, uh, really, none more so than Doc Emmerich. We all wish him the best in his retirement with his wife and his dogs and his other animals that he cares so much for in Michigan, his voice and his uh, friendship and his face around arenas across the entire National Hockey League will certainly be missed, especially here at the United Center by us. And as we wrap up, we again thank Stan Bowman, as well as John Steinmiller from the Blackhawks. Our thanks as well to our producer, Curtis Koch, Bill Murdoch for his technical assistant as well. And thank you for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. We will be back with you when Blackhawks news warrants, or as league news warrants, we know the players' union uh, and the uh, owners' management now focusing on trying to work together on assembling a 2021 season. But in the meantime, we will let you know where to find us via WGNRadio.com. Also via Twitter by at WGN Radio. I'm at, at Bowden Tweets. And from my usual co-host, who is still wearing his teaching hat as we record today, uh, Joe Brand is at Joe underscore Brand One. Uh, we always encourage you to subscribe as well if you haven't already. So a new episode arrives for you without searching at all. Again, thank you for listening. Talk to you soon and stay safe, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter at Bowden Tweets and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great.